Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! Hold up! What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. What's going on, everybody? Patrick Bear here, and we are back again. A little delayed, but we are here with your pop culture roundup. We've got the whole gang here with a BJ. What's up? Eric. Hello. And rep in the West Coast, we've got Brian. Hello there, and good good day, good evening. I don't even know what time of day it is, so yeah, whenever. Good morrow. <laughs> don't, maybe, maybe not. No, no. I just assume uh, people are pooping when they listen to us. <laughs> you don't listen to podcasts when you're pooping? Nope. I don't listen to them in the house usually, so. Ah, uh, okay. Well, no, I listen to them all everywhere. They are a car ride uh, adventure for me. So that is why during lockdown, I was very behind on a lot of my listening because... <laughs> I was always home. I never had a, a reason to. So, any any spare minutes that I am not, um, let's say, like I'm sitting somewhere, I can't leave. Uh, it's Duolingo time, baby. So you know, you got to keep that streak going. You got to get all the crystals. You got to give high fives to your fellow language learners. I mean, you're celebrate not Duolingoing. The streaks, celebrate them getting their badges, <laughs> completing the monthly challenges. It's a full time job. Quests. <laughs> Otherwise, did, did did any of y'all see the April Fool's uh, commercial that Duolingo put out, like, maybe four years ago? Oh, God. No. Okay. I'll have to send oh, it to y'all. But it is ridiculous, and it plays off of the fact that, like, how annoying the, the notifications were getting from Duolingo. And essentially, it's just Duo, the big bird, like hunting people down at their jobs and all of that like so they'd get a notification to be like they would swipe it away or, or or mute it and then you would see the duo right behind like behind them in the window like ready to attack it was a great so, it was a great advertisement for duolingo so the, apparently the the uh, i was watching the season premiere of um owl house and all of the kids are learning spanish using a weird app and at one point, one of the kids is like, yeah, we've been trying to teach ourselves Spanish on this horrifying application. And it's like, learn Spanish or I'll haunt your nightmares. 
and with I was an like, apple is that... as a mascot. So yeah, I mean, with a with a blue owl. <laughs> the duo, the duo social media team is bizarre because if you watch their TikToks, if you watch the comments that they make, like it is insane. I don't even understand. Like for a, a language learning app, I don't, I don't get it. It's fantastic. Like there was like it was all up in Lizzo's business at one point. <laughs> I think it was hitting on Harry Styles at some t- uh, at some point on social media. Like it's insane but it's funny it's it's absolutely i I mean it doesn't make me want to use the app any more than i do but then again every morning when i wake up and there's you know one character or another going that streak is really impressive i'm at like 1300 and something days like 1315 or 1320 it's like it'd be a shame if you lost it enforcer showing up to your business (laughs) you know it's kind of obsessive and amazing that's, I'm telling you, watch the the April Fool's show, uh, the April Fool's ad from I think it was like 2016. That's essentially what it was, and it it was great. It was they took the piss out of themselves, and it was phenomenal. But we're not here to talk about Duolingo. We're not here to talk about <laughs> uh, crazy bird mascots that are well. Oh God, let's not even talk about bird mascots and and apps because that's a whole can of worms that I don't want to pay eight dollars a month to be verified for. So. <laughs> let's dive into the month in pop culture um so as you may have guessed we are actually in the beginning of november with our october roundup we had a couple of scheduling issues and uh we ended up putting out some additional uh micro content for you all but we wanted to gather gather around the old podcasting table to talk about the month of october in pop culture um shout out to bj for hosting his first uh solo adventure in podcasting and now uh just wait until i make him do all of the parts of it including editing <laughs> and uh write-ups and and then eventually get to posting his own his own episode oh my god I- the journey will be complete. I feel like I feel Your like you're has like become the master. I feel like like you're not prepared for like you'll just like wake up one morning and be like, oh, let's see what's posted, and it's like seventy new episodes up, and you're gonna be like, all right, all right, he needs to take a break because I've already, I think I've already got a second, I've already got a second one in the bank somewhere. So, dear lord, dear lord, yep. and I realized that. Um, when you record these episodes in video format, like and record the video, it just automatically goes into my Google Drive folder. So I open up my Google Drive to do something else, and I just see BJ's titties up on like in the recent files, and I'm like, the fuck? And then I was like, oh, I just because I'm attached to this account, it's attached to my Google account. It just automatically saves everything to Drive, which I just found out. So everything that we've ever recorded in this app is all in my Google Drive. Oh, my God. Yeah, ridiculous. I'm like, oh, no wonder there's so much extra data being used in, in, uh, in Google Drive here. Jesus. Anywho, but yes, congrats on running your first episode. You've been you've been in the host chair, but now you got to run your whole first episode. Look at that. Our our, our children are growing up. Uh now do everything else. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. So let's go ahead. Uh, there's a lot to, to talk about. Um, if there are some big pieces of pop culture that we are not touching on in this episode, do not fret, dear listeners. There are a couple of major pieces of media that we will be talking about in individual micro episodes. Um, so, so yeah, if you get through this episode and you're like, why didn't they talk about this? That is why. Um, but you can always feel free to shout us out on social media and be like, hey, what are your thoughts on this? And uh, listen, I have no problem sharing my thoughts more than one time. <laughs> Especially because uh, a certain green superheroes uh, pitch meeting just came out today. And uh, <laughs> it was very interesting. And... Um, it almost it, it, it I have I have thoughts about it. So I can't wait to do that microsode with, with everybody. But let's go ahead, let's dive into our first topic. BJ, why don't you kick us off and tell us what you will be talking about on today's episode? So um I gotta say October was stacked. I mean it was stacked with everything. We had movies, we had television, we had uh, a couple songs came out at the end of September that I've been vibing to. It was it was absolutely fucking nuts as far as the um, uh, pop culture goes. I mean, shit, we had uh, the finale to Doctor Who, just everything. So it took me literally up until I think an hour before this episode was being recorded for me to finally settle on something. And I think I have to go with uh, Hellraiser 2022. Um, it was pretty phenomenal and I'm going to mute myself while I type up, uh, I forgot to open the page. Smoke them if you got them, I guess. (laughs) I love how, how, like, during this part where I'm going to have to edit out regardless, me just like, now is when I'm going to mute myself. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Right? All right. Uh, but no, Hellraiser 22-2, it's a take on Clive Barker's 1987 horror classic. Um, I got to say, I am a huge fan of the original. Um, have any of y'all watched the original Hellraisers? Never seen a Hellraiser. I'm legitimately shocked that Brian has not watched it. I, so I, here's the thing. I don't like horror. I like uh, campy horror. I like, like, you know, the obviously, like, really over the top. And I, I've read enough about Hellraiser and I know Clive Barker's work enough to know it's probably not my kind of thing. Like it's sexy, which is great, but it's a horror. Yeah. I don't know. The, the one Rick and Morty episode that kind of like <laughs> satirized the Hellraiser universe. I think that proved to me enough that Hellraiser is just not my thing. <laughs> so it was, um, so yeah, the original Hellraiser, it was funny because it was one of oddly enough, my parents were had a blind spot to horror movies when I was growing up. They were they were all over like weird cartoons, and as long as the cartoon wasn't rude to parents or adults, they were like, "That's fine." So they made the mistake of letting me watch the Muppets, but not like the Simpsons. So I feel like that just messed me up more. Um, Hellraiser though always had this kind of weird underlining mix of like sexuality. Uh, uh, themes of addiction and how like hurting yourself feels good. So like my kinky ass was like, 
I need to watch this. And I actually had a little movie night. Uh, Eric, Eric was, uh, was there and uh, another friend of mine, Danny. Um, but it was great. It was, I was, I was thoroughly shocked at one, how they took a concept like this that was back in the eight, like late eighties and managed to update it in a way that one, it didn't really feel it felt like a horror movie from the eighties without actually being in the eighties. Like there's a handful of stupid things people did, but a lot of it's based on the fact that your main character is dealing with recovering from addiction very badly. Um, and you have other characters that represent. There's a prostitute the, uh, at the beginning of the movie, which I didn't really think of him as a prostitute. I thought of him more as like, just like you know, some homeless drifter that just stumbled into the wrong area of a party. But um, but yeah, no. And then the cast: uh, Jamie Clayton, uh, who played the priest, otherwise known as Pinhead, haunting, because listening to the priest talk. And then hearing Jamie Clayton's voice, I was like, oh, they didn't do much to change anything. And that is even more disturbing to me than anything else. Um, it's it's I don't know if any of y'all are into like Cronenberg sensibilities and all sorts of stuff like that, like body horror. Um, but the Cenobites, the longer you look at them, the more unsettling they become because their clothing is their skin. It's like chunks of their skin have been peeled out and dried to be leather that they wear. So it is, uh, you know, what was funny is I, I originally held off on watching it, not because like, I didn't think I'd like it, but because like, you have to go into something like that, like knowing you're going to see disturbing shit. Um, but actually, and what's funny is for a horror movie, it wasn't even very gory. Uh, Eric, did uh, what are your thoughts on it? I never saw it because at your movie night, we watched Hocus Pocus 2 and Werewolf oh, at Night. We didn't end right. up watching Hellraiser. That's right. I, that was a different. That was my roommate. <laughs> was like, a whole different way. We were like, <laughs> we didn't watch it because that's your movie night. <laughs> that's Netflix right. Netflix and chill. No. There was... There was <laughs> There was, like I said, there's so much shit that just came out in October. Um, you know what's funny, though, is that I went to someone's house um, to hang out with him. He invited some friends over, and we were going to watch a movie, and he had suggested watching the new Hellraiser. Neither of us have seen the original or any any of the original movies. And we're like, okay, you know what? I'm not a big horror movie fan, but why not? Like, if this is out. I've heard good things. Let's watch it. Everybody gets to, to his place. We have pizza and we go to like, we're throwing around what movie to watch. And it was like, oh, okay, well, if we don't decide on one, we'll, we'll watch Hellraiser. And we ended up watching uh, The Curse of the Queer Wolf on, <laughs> on Tubi, uh, like under their like horror section, LGBT slash horror section. Oh my God. And we got maybe halfway through it, which because Tubi has commercials. So, like, you get to a part, and then all of a sudden it's like, and... And even better. So, it's Curse of the Queer Wolf, but it's also the remastered edition. And it... So, they revert... Like, I, okay. I think they <laughs> ADR'd all of the audio back onto it. Because none of the audio sounded like it was coming from any of the characters in the film. Oh, no. And it was ridiculous. We, we got maybe halfway through the movie. 
maybe halfway through and then uh switched over to the craft and we watched that instead i i can confirm that tubi is a gold mine for queer indie and horror queer horror and i have I think I made it about 10 minutes into that movie and realized it's delightfully bad, but not like bad enough. No, it's not bad enough that it's, you really need to make a thing of it to enjoy it. But anyway, yes, Tubi, if anyone is not already. It's theater 3000, that film. (laughs) You can't go into it watching it being like, let's watch this film. Like you have to watch it and be like, we're going to roast the shit out of this as we're watching it. Um, and then one of the characters was Richard Cheese. And I didn't know if it was like Lounge Lizard <laughs> Richard Cheese or God. not. And I was really hoping it was, it was you know, like Lounge Singer Richard Cheese because uh, a friend, friend of the pod, Michael O'Quinn, used to do Richard Cheese songs at Barioke when I worked at Stonewall all the time. And I was like, I don't know if this is the same person or not. And it was so, there's not a lot of information on the film, but it's interesting. Nice. Anyway, back to Hellraiser. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's and 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 the thing is, uh, Hellraiser, the original one, always had these kind of underlining queer like tones, um, but because it was the late eighties, they just were kind of like, no, they're Cenobites. They just like leather a lot. So uh, there was definitely a lot more freedom in this because um, uh, Jamie Clayton, uh, trans actress, um, amazing work. Uh, everybody is absolutely enamored with her. Um, two of the characters are the brother uh, and his boyfriend of the main characters. Um, so, yeah, the movie is just delightfully queer. Um, honestly, the least gory of the Hellraiser mythos. And I feel like that's a good thing because, I mean, just looking at the characters alone, it's plenty gory enough. Um, but just the themes of addiction and atone atonement big ones on atonement and how you kind of deal with do can you make things right once you fuck up and i mean spoiler alert not really you can just go through the pain and accept it you know and uh the lament configuration so yeah and the the only changes they made is that the puzzle box puzzle box has um i want to say eight different configurations uh for different levels of pain or pleasure so that's a nice little uh, change they made to the story. So it's uh, it's definitely uh, really good. Uh, it's probably my next. It's probably my favorite horror movie of this year. Um, it's up on Hulu, and if anybody is remotely curious about it, I suggest you grab some popcorn and drag all your friends over to it uh, and enjoy their horror as they watch this beautifully horrifying movie i was gonna say before this the only the only hellraiser i saw was um season 13's finale but that was just got mick and drag so i mean (laughs) that's all i got i was gonna say um uh uh dragula had a lot of um a lot of the looks in dragula for the first couple of seasons had a lot of inspiration from the cenobites um in from Hellraiser, from the original Hellraiser. So uh, for those of you that are not familiar with Hellraiser, but you watch Dragula, you have definitely witnessed some of the aesthetic of the original Hellraiser. What if I've watched Dragula, but don't remember almost any of it? 
I mean, that's kind of fair, but also, I mean, you're not, you're not, a, I feel like Dracula is 100% meant for the queer horror fans and not like the queer horror fans that like, like schlocky horror. No, you like fucking like Cronenberg, like uh, Crimes of the Future, Hellraiser Cenobites, like you like pure fucking body horror and you're just like, yeah, this is great. This is my, I found my thing. Yeah, that's accurate. Because that one that one extermination challenge where they had a staple like dollars to them. Yep. That was the point where I was like, no. You were the, no. You were, Why you were would the you little, do this? You were the little girl at the end of the driveway and Michael Myers is standing there and she's like, no, thanks. Yeah. No, I'm good. No. And at that point, I think that what, it was like, what, a $10,000 cash prize they were going for? It wasn't even I, like, now they got shutter money and they're like, all right, $100,000. But oh, yeah. that was like season two where they had a staple shit. Maybe it was two, three, I don't know, somewhere in there. Um, and I'm like, that y'all are doing this for not a lot of exposure. <laughs> this isn't on the same level as like Drag Race and not a lot of money. But hey, I mean, you do you. You do what you need to do to to fulfill your dreams and your your drag artistry. So you got it. You got to feed the beast. What would? Uh, how many? How many pins in a head would you give this film? <laughs> oh, I would. I would one hundred percent give this five five pins in the head. All right. Very good. So uh, that is the new 2022 update uh, reboot of Hellraiser, streaming on Hulu. We're now out of Huluween, but I'm sure you can still watch it. I'm sure they didn't take it down on uh, when Mariah Peloton her <laughs> way into the the Christmas season. When they she did not take out. it down. Did you did you see her pelotoning her way out of a witch's outfit into uh, into um, her amazing, attire? Like, iconic. It is everything. It's time. And- oh my god you see like a week before that her in the her like jacuzzi tub and she was like not yet (laughs) like her kids are like can we put up the tree well i mean i was gonna say that you know her residuals are gonna go through she knows she's waiting for that check uh, it already has hit the the, like charts like the song it's we're we're recording this like three days into november and, and the song is already on the holiday charts so i i'm surprised i haven't heard it in the store yet yeah. Oh, I haven't really been to any stores, so I can't say nothing. Like, I've only the most music I've heard outside of yeah, it's just in my house. <laughs> like, there is no real external <laughs> music in my life. Um, no place. She's safe. also she's doing shows in in uh, New York this year, and I'm so sad that I'm so broke <laughs> that I cannot. I was not able to try to snag a ticket to see Mariah in December. But if you're out there and you you got a ticket, I'm totally jealous of you because. It's time. So Hellraiser, <laughs> Hulu, go check it out. Let's throw it over to Eric. What you got for us, Eric? So um, as uh, BJ already stated, October was a jam-packed month full of all kinds of spooky releases and everything. And then a gay rom-com, because um, that fits <laughs> in with all the spooky. Uh, so b- Bros came out. Uh, the Billy Eichner uh, romantic comedy, um, uh, which was uh, co-written um, by Nicholas Stoller, who directed it, and uh, is produced by Judd Apatow and stars Billy Eichner, Luke McFarlane, T.S. Madison, 
uh, Monica Ramond, Guillermo Diaz, Guy Branham, and Amanda Burse, Bierce. Oh, Marcy Carcy Darcy? Marcy Darcy Carcy? Wait. Marcy <laughs> Carcy Darcy. Yes. One of those is correct. I, I think Carcy was her maiden name and uh, Jefferson was Darcy. So Marcy Carcy Darcy. Yes. Yeah. I forget um, what Steve's last name was. Because after she after after Steve dies, runs away into the witness protection or whatever, because she was something, she was Marcy, whatever his last name was. And then she was like, I don't know what to do. They were like, well, go back to your maiden name. What's your maiden name? Carcy. <laughs> Marcy Carcy, and then she, then they brought Jefferson in, and then it was Jefferson Darcy. So she became Marcy Carcy Darcy. I know. We, the, for those youngins out there that have no idea what we're talking about, it's married with children, and I apparently have way too much of that knowledge stored in the recesses <laughs> of my brain that just came flooding out for for some reason. Your lizard brain remembered. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh. But yes, bros. Um, stars <laughs> Billy Eichner as um, a host of a podcast and radio show. Uh, Not relatable. Uh, <laughs> nope. Um, it's all about uh, LGBTQ history and uh, the stories that get lost along the way um, throughout history. And um, he's in his 40s. He prides himself that he's always been single. Um, and really doesn't need love to fulfill his life because uh, he's got friends and grinder and his work <laughs> and uh, and he's accepted a position as a curator for the upcoming National LGBTQ plus History Museum in Manhattan. Um, so um, there's a lot of fun interactions between him and the other board members that include T.S. Madison and uh cherry jones and um the guy who was the dean from community that i can't oh my name. god i fucking love him <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh but yes and at a party for a new um app release um he runs into and meets um aaron who is played like by luke mcfarlane who um they kind of talk a little bit, have a kiss, but nothing happens. And they end up running into each other later, and they decide, you know what? Neither of them really wants a relationship, so nothing really happens. And they decide that instead of having sex together, which could possibly lead to feelings, they decide to hook up with another couple. Um, so that way... <laughs> There's no one-on-one. But I really loved this movie in that it gave a lot of true... It spoke a lot of truth to gay relationships in that not everything is concerned about monogamy... Um, there, there's a really awesome trip to Provincetown they go on and I just felt some magic there. Um, it just made me happy to see some good representation on screen. Um, I feel like one of the things I know 
up and down. People have wanted to compare this to Fire Island a lot in that they were both kind of two romantic gay romantic comedies that uh, came out both this year. Um, this one got a theatric release while the other one didn't. Um, but I felt the one thing lacking in Fire Island was they did have um, a larger guy in the friend group, but he kind of didn't do anything. Yeah. He was kind of just there where at least in bros, um, guy Branham is there as one of Bobby's friends and does have a little bit of stuff to do. He's not a major character, but he's there and advances the plot along. And, um, so that's a little something, a little more representation for the big fellas. Um, But one thing I hope is that they'll actually put out a physical release of the soundtrack because there is an original song at the end that's really cute. And I just like collecting physical CDs. So I would rather buy it than just download (laughs) it on iTunes. Um, But has anyone else seen it or is planning to see it? So I watched it. And uh, first, let let me go ahead and just say this. I genuinely hate rom-coms like they are hellaciously unrealistic and most gay rom-coms most gay rom-coms i watched were definitely in that kind of like trick era um jeffrey all those like they weren't very good but they were definitely entertaining and they were definitely like the best we could have gotten for the time so you know what's funny is this is probably the only thing I've ever seen Billy Eichner in that I absolutely could not stand his character. I hated his character so much. I I don't Have know you why. Never watched a Billy Eichner vehicle before because he's usually not tolerable. <laughs> I've 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 pretty much I've followed his career pretty closely, and I think I've liked him in everything I've ever seen him in, uh, especially Difficult People. Difficult People, I think, is like one of my favorite Billy Eichner roles. But I don't know. Maybe it's just uh, something something about Bobby and Aaron. I'm trying to think of makes me think of like when I see a broy guy and negging on like another guy. And for those of you that don't know, negging is it's like it's like insulting someone, but being weird and complimentary about it and like. It's 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 supposed to make you like play fight and then eventually you end up together. I don't know. Uh, just their interactions, like like it was believable, but it was like believable for me in like the worst way. I was like, I hate both of you. You two, you you two both deserve each other. And but everybody else in the movie, absolutely wonderful. Like honestly, um, Jim Rash, just the fact that he was in this movie made me laugh out loud. I did, I only saw him in the one clip when I first, like I didn't, I barely watched a trailer. I watched one trailer for it. And the moment I saw him in it, I'm like, Oh, I'm seeing this movie regardless. Um, and then another standout Guillermo Diaz, like yeah. playing a straight guy and the actor's gay. Like I love Guillermo Diaz and everything he's ever been in, which sidebar, if you haven't, uh, what was the, uh, the, he was in a stoner movie is what I originally remember him from half baked. He was in half baked. Um, but no, um, Angela, 
um wanda cherry like everybody at the museum the museum scenes itself um what was it the haunted house uh they did or the uh oh yeah at the very end (laughs) at the very end yeah like honestly it's 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 giving me it's it was kind of giving me just enough for getting sarah marshall vibes where like like i wasn't their love story was like the least compelling thing to me their interactions were funny but like as far as like an actual romantic piece of the movie i feel like that fell super flat and it just i mean maybe that was because it was kind of predictable but at the same time rom-coms generally don't need to subvert um the formula to be good i do think this movie was criminally robbed coming out at the end of summer and not closer to like middle of october because it originally came out when like september no it 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 was wide release on october 11th okay oh on my oh national coming out day okay yeah i feel like i feel like that wasn't i feel like the timing of its release was off i feel like maybe it should have been released further into summer um maybe not fall i think because it felt like a summer movie so i feel like the release their release date did not do them any justice i see what they were doing with the release date but i feel like they didn't need to go that meta with it they could have just released it like june or july um august i think august would have been even though august i think isn't that where movies go to die i know there's a month that movies go to die um uh theatrical releases generally um generally are it's a it's a it's a it's a card game with when you release movies did it was it was it just a limited release on september 30th because i know it came i i know all of the dates said september 30th yeah yeah it, it got a limited release september 30th um and then it got um a wide release on october 11th for national coming out day um so yeah so like i like representation is always good i just definitely feel like um i don't know like i said i i I mean maybe it's just the it's just the bitterness in me i don't know i just feel like when we i'm always skeptical when we get movies like this and i'm like is it good or am i just happy that it's unapologetically gay um and generally i'm just happy that i'm just happy that it's out um and it's definitely a step in the right direction. It's always a step in the right direction so far. Um, but yeah, no, I just, like I said, it's just, I watched it. I liked every other character except for the main characters. Um, I don't know if that was the point, but I feel like that's kind of the point. Um, but no, I, I, I enjoy it. It was fun. It was fun. If you, even if you don't like real rom-coms, it's definitely worth a watch. I mean, I will kind of agree with, uh, BJ that yes Billy Eichner's character was pretty acerbic but Billy Eichner is pretty acerbic um it's true up and down the board so it makes sense that him kind of writing a movie not definitely not a biopic in any way but kind of writing a character pretty similar to himself was going to be that way um I understood and the fact when him and Aaron are kind of comparing their um, not trauma is the word I want, baggage 
and how a lot of his younger life people kept telling him to tone his himself down and so he just doesn't do that for anybody anymore um it kind of spoke to who he is um as a person uh so i really connected with that um yeah i mean and but still the 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 ensemble was the best part of it and there's a great deborah messing cameo in it as well (laughs) nice i um i'm gonna go see it tonight apparently today there's one last showing before it's pulled out of all theaters here in uh chicago land so um i somehow just bought a ticket and lost my ticket all in the same uh breath uh so i should go to see it in a couple of hours <laughs> nice I heard it's good but nice. you know i want to go i want to go support it in theater and uh, apparently there's like six other people that are are uh, gonna be going to see it with me tonight so and, and by that i just mean that there's like six seats that have been sold in this big old theater um so at least i won't be the only one there it'll 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 remind me of when i went and saw uh, dark phoenix um, then came out of it saying can i please have my money back and then some (laughs) i don't feel like i'll have that same reaction to this movie though so that's good um we'll go bj since you had a little bit less high of an opinion of it how many flames flames would you give bros um i would give bros three all right eric what's your flame rating i would give it uh 3.75 flames nice that is bros uh it's on demand now so when you're hearing this uh if you haven't seen it you can uh, rent it in your very own home and enjoy it in the comfort of your own domicile dear listeners we thank you for checking out this episode of flame on and all of our other content both on the nerdy show network and um and through our social media channels, our YouTube channel, Twitch channels when we're streaming, all of that great goodness that we put out for you. If you would like to, you can check out our website at flameonshow.com. From there, you can visit our Threadless shop or any one of our social media uh, links. They're all linked through our website. Or you can visit our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash flameonshow is where you can join our Patreon at any one of the four levels that are available, all with different perks. So um, go check it out. And if you would like to, go uh, support this very podcast. That is flameonshow.com and patreon.com forward slash flameonshow. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 
All right, let's dive back into the topics. Brian, what you got for us? So I've been debating what to talk about because there's been a few things that I've dived into, and I think several we're going to talk separately in micro. So uh, the the next best thing that I realized I should talk about is uh, Andor on Disney Plus, and this is uh, Star Wars colon Andor. Uh, and you might be like, wait, Andor? Isn't it indoor? And it's like, no, 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 no. Yes, there is an indoor, but there's also an Andor. Andor is a person. Cassian Andor. And then you might be like, well, that's okay. That must be like new, like sequel, like, you know, uh, Ray. And it's like, nope, nope. It, it's the, it's the sequel prequel, uh, Rogue One, right? So a uh, sequel and it was made after, but prequel and it takes place before New Hope. Uh, so if you haven't seen Rogue One, you're totally fine. You don't have to have seen Rogue One because I'm sorry, by the way, this sequel, this series is a prequel series, I guess. I mean, it'd be hard to have a sequel series starring him after Rogue One. Listen, I wasn't going to spoil it at this point, but it is like six years out of years now. (laughs) Right. I mean, so, so, so Cassidy Andor, uh, played by Diego Luna. Um, I was surprised that they were making this, this television series. I loved, I, I liked Rogue One. I don't think I loved it. I liked Rogue One a lot. But of all the kind of like characters in that series, I just didn't think he was the one that I wanted to know more about. Yeah. Having said that, I'm going to just throw this out there. Uh, Andor is probably the best Star Wars thing that's come out in a long time. It's better than Obi-Wan. Um, I, I can't compare it to the animated stuff because the animated stuff is so different. Uh, it's definitely better than Boba Fett. Uh, I think it's on par with and just different from Mandalorian. Yeah. I won't say it's better or worse, but I kind of like it more. And this is because uh, – do you guys remember Civil uh, – not Civil War. What was the second? Captain America Winter Soldier, right? Yeah. That movie was a tonal shift for Marvel into a sort of uh, intrigue, uh, thriller kind of like – conspiracy political revolution like like more of a spy movie yeah like spy kind of well so that tonal shift was really impressive for a lot of us who had only really seen marvel do action and adventure yeah and this series andor represents that to star wars star wars has always had these worlds of like the isb or the imperial uh, surveillance bureau or in in some games it's like the imperial spy agency or whatever the different terms and different eras and all that but you've always had this whole rich world in the background of the imp- empire and how they're running things and it's not just stormtroopers you know you see a little bit with the imperial officers and the navy kind of stuff um you kind of get glimpses of the underbelly of the Star Wars universe and like the Jab Jab of the Hut and certainly more in Mando and um and uh, Book of Boba Fett but like there's just been all of this rich material that you could really explore and Rogue One is is kind of that too and in some ways Rogue One was the beginning of that like oh by the way it doesn't have to just be about lightsabers and 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 big action but Rogue One definitely has lightsabers and big action or does it have lightsabers doesn't have lightsabers exactly well no it does it does, it does, it does. yeah Darth Vader yeah. sorry it's been a Darth while Vader's two, there yeah, yeah but then <laughs> yeah. those two those two force sensitive um 
the kind of buddies that might be lovers, that thing. Didn't they no, have no, like I a think, lightsaber I, thing? I, um, he, he, just, had, he just had a staff. Was it a and staff? the other guy had a like machine gun type, That's Tommy yeah. gun type weapon. Yeah, and I think um, they were canonically they were um, they were husbands. Okay, well, good. That's, yeah, it didn't matter if it didn't happen on screen, but either way. Um, and we're going to talk about space lesbians here in a second, so just just hang on. <laughs> so, uh, Andor does a lot of these things that Rogue One started. It makes you care about this character cast in Andor. He's not the most likable person. Like it's kind of like uh, Billy Eichner in some ways. Like he he doesn't exude charm and charisma, but you start to understand as you see his life in the present and in the past sort of laid out a little bit of why he is who he is. Yeah. Um, it's got a rich cast of other people, including, um, oh my God. Uh, what's his name? Who played, uh, Vladimir Harkonnen, um, stellar stars guard, Stellan, Stellan scars guard. So mm-hmm. like, he just like, he's not in every episode, but when he is there as this, rebel liaison slash imperial art dealer he just just consumes all of the scenery it's epic like he has this one moment where he transitions his character so to speak goes from his reality as an as a rebel liaison sort of arms dealer and he has to put on his his art dealer face and you just see that moment and that transformation in his, 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 his attire, but also his face and his, he, the wig, like it is, it is a remarkable moment in that character. You're just like, Oh wow. Like you just see the illusion uh, come to life. Um, it's got a lot of backstory with Mon Mothma, who's always one of those characters that I, I it's kind of a double-edged sword. Cause you almost don't want to know too much, but you do kind of want to know. And Rogue One really started down this path of, oh, by the way, Mon Motha was was this uh, imperial senator, uh, formerly of the Republic. And she, you know, had to eventually, like, get out of there because the Senate was uh, disbanded in uh, beginning of, I think, Rogue, uh, not Rogue One, but in beginning of uh, A New Hope uh, or, or before New Hope started. And so you get to see, like, her as a senator and trying to wage these behind the scenes political battles to both fight the emperor, but also like uh, fund the rebellion. So you get to see life on Coruscant, which I always love seeing life on Coruscant. You get um, Genevieve. Oh yeah. Genevieve O'Reilly. That's right. She plays Mon Mothma. Um, I'm trying to find the, uh, there's the, the mom, Marva, Fiona Shaw. I forgot all the things she's been in, but man, when she pops up, she's a beautiful British actress, like just, just so stately and just love her to bits. She's the like mother figure for uh, Andor, and so she's in this a little bit. And you know, she has a swashbuckling past that she's you get to see a little bit. Um, the foil the, of the show, in some ways, uh, and I cannot think of his. Oh, it's is is it Cyril? I think uh, his uh, actor is Kyle Soler. I've never seen him in anything else, but he's this sort of like beat cop private security and then he kind of goes to work for the empire like he's this like just he's so committed to his perspective as someone for the empire who just believes that he is protecting his like people his citizens like he is protecting the empire from people like casting andor and i love that you have it's not entirely sympathetic because the guy's kind of a schlub right but you see <laughs> you see that intensity of mission 
that you, you sort of see that perspective of these, some of these people and the ISB or the Imperial um, Surveillance Bureau, or whatever, kind of the same way, the officers and that, they are not patently evil. They just believe that they're right. And every good villain, the way you portray like a really strong villain arc is you make the villain convinced that they are right and they have like the best of motivations. And then their execution is the problem or the way they do it is the problem. Or in this case, like the fact that they're sort of the, 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 the they're in control. They're the empire. Like they are necessity by necessity. They are bad and you will not root for them, but they try so hard to make you sympathetic. Ah, oh, like it's so tonally just perfect for that complexity. And that's not something star Wars has done very well in many of the, its incarnations. It's not a complex show. It is pretty like, you know, good guys versus bad guys. But I think as I get older, I know as I get older, the stories I gravitate towards, they're not that simple. They're never that simple because life's not that simple, right? So so if you are a person who like likes Star Wars, but you kind of are always a little disappointed by the simplicity and the kind of dumb action, you really got to watch Andor because I think it scratches an itch and it lets you play in this world that is so cool. I didn't forget about the space lesbians, by the way. I'm coming back <laughs> to it. So Star Wars has not, and we've talked a lot about this over the years because of we wanted to put our friend and our, you know, unfortunately no longer with us, Drew Leonin in Star Wars. And he would have been the first, like we wanted him to be the first queer character on screen in Star Wars. And our former associate, you know, Joshua Yale uh, from IGN, like was championing that. And unfortunately, even though I think it did get a, like, a little bit of drop in the, in the, in the world, it, it didn't, it, nothing happened. It didn't come uh, nothing came of that um, at that level. But since then, there have been these little queer moments in Star Wars. And we saw that one brief, oh, my God, did they actually, they didn't even kiss, I don't think, uh, in in um, Rise of Skywalker, right? Um, so they were the, I think, I think uh, Star Wars canon-wise, at least on screen, they were like that first, you know, on-screen lesbian, uh, you know, interaction, right? Well, in this show, we get a little bit more. We don't get a kiss. We get furtive glances. We get touchy hands. We get longing, lots of longing. Oh, my God. It's a freaking uh, uh, Katie Lang song played out, right? <laughs> um, but you get touching hands. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so, so basically... Oh, thanks. <laughs> you have to do the ba ba ba, right? Um, but yeah, so 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 basically, this is Mon Mothma's. Uh, I think it's her younger sister. Uh, they say aunt, anyway, relative, and she is actually working for the rebellion directly. Her name is Vel, I believe, and she has this girlfriend in the rebellion, and you can tell they're close, but they're they they have only these brief moments because. The rebellion is so super secretive, like they're willing, these rebels are willing to kill people who should not know who they are to keep their like cell, to keep their, because I mean, they're terrorists. They're effectively in some ways, a kind of a terrorist, a kind of a, a freedom fighter. They have to preserve that secrecy to keep their mission, uh, you know, and to keep their personnel safe. So anyway, they have these moments and it's, it's hopefully there'll be a little more of a payoff. We could, we would definitely appreciate at least a kiss. You know, because I'm sure one of them's going to die at any moment. But um, anyway, I love the show, as you can probably tell. 
Uh, I keep waiting for the soundtrack to come out. It has not come out, though. They they released like the opening credits because the opening soundtrack or the opening theme song actually changes every episode. It's the same like, idea, but like done in different styles. Um, it's really interesting. It's weird, but I love the scoring of it. It's a lot of synthesizers and you know stuff that I'd be into. But uh, who else has seen this? Am I the only one who's uh, caught up? You know, I've been watching the Star Wars series and all the Star Wars series have been doing this weird juggling act of like trying to appeal to like traditional fans and like attempting something new, but it's like, they've been really afraid of it. Um, Mandalorian, I Mandalorian to me is, was one of the beginnings of that tonal shift where Mandalorian feels more like a Western than a lot of the other star star Wars properties and Andor has has a much better uh, has a better tonal shift. What I'm waiting for is there's I think they're supposed to be doing an acolyte um, series, and like I'm really super interested if they do uh, like a tonal shift because I feel like Star Wars as a franchise is in that kind of area where they're ready for like fans are ready for a tonal shift. All their properties that do well. Um, aren't the ones that kind of pander more to the um pander more to the 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 um the fan like the 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 fan service um like obi-wan to me was more of a sprinkling of fan servicey moments than an actual like story i was interested in um same for boba fett Boba Fett to me felt more like I was more interested in the episode about the Mandalorian than I was about the rest of the series. Um, so Andor to me, it's, it's good. I have to be in the mood to kind of watch something like that. Um, because like a couple of other franchises, I'm kind of tired of being in the past. Um, I, I have past fatigue. Like they've, they've done a really good job of world building the star Wars universe, but um, I'm ready to not be in a long, long time ago, maybe just a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Um, so I, I, I'm, like I said, I'm ready for a tonal shift. I'm ready. I'm ready for, for something new. Um, Andor is giving me that taste of something new that I've been wanting. Um, same as with Mandalorian. So I'm, I'm very interested to see where things go. And you're right. The, the animated series, what's funny is they just dropped a whole series called Tales of the Jedi which covers the whole corruption of Count Dooku. And I'm like, I'm like, where was the advertising for this? This is a story I fucking wanted. Like, and not even real fan service. It's a legit, like watching it episode by episode. I'm like, I feel kind of bad for Dooku. <laughs> I feel really bad. Like this is, it's like watching a car crash in slow motion. So it's, it's like, but it's, it's, it's a story I've wanted to hear. So it's 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 interesting. It's it's I'm I'm hoping they're leaning more into less the fan servicey stuff and more just different and new newer stories. Um, yeah, it helps Rogue- to have it helps to have somebody r- running all of this. Uh, Dave Filoni, who has a, a animation background, is he did Clone Wars, but he he also has collaborated with George Lucas pretty closely to hew more to the influences that Lucas had, including like the Western and the samurai story um, and, and and try to blend those colors more vividly in and and the the influence is not just the, the dumb hallmark. Like 
it, it's kind of a opposite approach of what uh oh god what's his name who did the the new star wars uh uh director um did, did star trek as well um abrams yeah yes jj abrams took the iconic totem like uh we're just gonna sort of redux but with a new generation idea like he took the very like kind of not naive but tried and true sort of dumb obvious approach right what feloni has done is definitely more towards the fan service but not just like fan service um, in terms of like, look, it's a stormtrooper. No, he's going deeper, connecting it to lore. And what I really love is there's these little nuggets that if you're a really deep Star Wars nerd, like, you know, Old Republic stuff, you know, you've read the, the, the extended universe novels. He's sprinkling in the extended universe canon so that it sort of becomes part of this sort of new Disney canon. So... There was a, a a reference to the ricotta, which is not the cheese, right? Uh, <laughs> ra, ra, ricotta, yeah. Now I want now I want uh, uh, lasagna, right? Um, so he mm. he sprinkled in uh, references to that race of aliens that are featured in the um, the old republic, and there's like little Easter eggs that this uh, Luthien is his name. Uh, art dealer on Coruscant that Stellan uh, Skarsgård played. They're showing like little trinkets and nuggets in the background from the prequels. Like it's fan service, but it's not like beating you over the head with a penis like level fan service that J.J. Abrams would do. Right? It's 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 subtle. It's there. If you notice it, great. You can go watch a YouTube video, and they're going to highlight eight things you may have you may not have known about Star. Wars. You know, like like yeah. there's that level of analysis if you want it but it doesn't hurt the story and the story is drawn on just these other genres and other complementary things that were always in the mix in George Lucas's head. So like that's wizardry. That's like alchemy to me, like that you can blend all of that and make an entertaining product I, I'm impressed. And I, uh, BJ, I totally agree. Like I watched a little bit of the tales, of the was it tales from star Wars. That was called. Yeah. Tales of the Jedi. Oh, it's Tales of the Jedi. Okay. Because I was like, I saw Tales of the Jedi. Tales of the Jedi was an extended universe um, like collection that they they put out. And then I think it was a comic book from Dark Horse. So like yeah. that, that idea has been around forever. And again, Filoni's using that as a way to tell these little stories out of time. But but in terms of like what's next, I think LucasArt, LucasFilms rather, uh, Disney is so like careful with what comes after the Rise of Skywalker that they're really kind of keeping that like wrapped uh, up up to a point um, until they are ready for whatever that next statement is. But then until then, there's just so many eras to play with so many little stories to tell. I, I honestly, I just can't get enough of that. Um, not because I want to retread, but just because there's so much you, we only saw so little of the worlds in those eras. So anyway, yeah. I love it. Uh, you guys definitely should check it. It's like 12 episodes, Disney plus, they're doing a second season, like, but it's not. It just started shooting, and then that's it. It's two and done because I think by the end of the second season, it's going to pretty much be up to that Rogue One time frame. Um, so you know. Oh, and I, I forget forgot to mention uh, uh, Circus, not Circus. What's the guy who played Snoke? Uh, oh my God, he played Smeagol in Lord Andy of the Rings. Circus? Yes, Andy. He yeah. is a character in this, and it's he's 
people are making these connections to Snope and a Snoke and all this shit. It's like, no, no, no. But this actor who's amazing and usually has to play like these computer characters or whatever, he just gets to play himself in, in this great little like weird, uh, not weird, but like this grizzled prisoner. And uh, he's great. I just, it, just seeing him show up in anything is like a treat. So, uh, yeah, no, I think you guys definitely would, would should check it out and uh, let us know what you think. Come through, Ulysses S. Claw. Mm. <laughs> exactly no wasn't that such a neat little uh, anyway yes <laughs> yeah he got to actually be on screen and not uh mo-capped through the whole thing <laughs> exactly <laughs> so that is andor um it it did complete its run right uh no it's got like two or three more episodes i think this season okay okay so catch up on disney plus and then uh yeah let us know if you're watching i see it on my it pops up on my twitter feed i have a lot of people who are uh very big into the star and or wars and um they've been talking a lot about andor and how how good of a show it is but i i have not dove very deep into to the waters of uh televised star wars stuff just Mandalorian season one, season two, season two and a half. Book of Boba Fett—that's what I call it. And um, yeah, just waiting for more, more Baby Yoda. Now that he's just uh, reversed any and all character growth that he's had by the end of uh, <laughs> the Book of Boba Fett. But whatever. Anywho, uh, so I am on the opposite side of the streaming spectrum. I am over in the Netflix world for what I'm going to discuss. Um, and dear listeners, I just want to let you all know, I found my ticket to bros. So I'm very happy <laughs> about that. I don't have to. Uh, I, I didn't waste money on a ticket for no reason. <laughs> um, so I wanted to talk about the mole. And funny enough, I think I this is not the first time I've talked about the mole on this tele- on this television show on this podcast. Were you gonna say something, Eric? Were you gonna? Well, I mean, molly, 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 me. <laughs> I mean, you may, you may want to get that checked. Uh, I mean, oh. yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, for those of you who don't know, The Mole is an American reality game show that originally aired on ABC from 2001 until, get this, 2008, because I did not realize that, uh, before being rebooted on Netflix in 2022. It is based on other versions of the original Belgian TV series, De Mole that have aired in numerous uh, countries. Uh, so The Mole was produced by Stone Stanley Entertainment for its first four seasons. It was canceled, but was later picked up again after a four-year hiatus. The fifth season was produced by Stone & Co. Entertainment. Then Netflix picked up the show after a 14-year hiatus. The sixth season premiered on October 7, 2022, and was produced by Eureka Nadohara Productions. So... One of the things that I did not realize until like I pulled up the Wikipedia page for this is I completely forgot that there were celebrity mole. And that's what had happened. There were like two regular seasons of the mole hosted by Anderson Cooper, which are now on Netflix and were on Netflix. Um, I feel maybe like six ish months ago. And that might have been when I brought it up last was maybe it was a one up that I did because I I remember talking about the mole on on this podcast um, because I enjoyed it. I remember watching it back when it was on the air and then um, kind of having that memory in my head. 
and then going, oh, wow, it's on Netflix now. Let me watch it. And I watched the two seasons and it was still like it holds up pretty well. Uh, it's in four three format. So it's a definitely a sign of the times for what it was. But it was entertaining and it was done in such a way that I don't think a lot of reality television is now. Reality tele- television is so prevalent in our society that with this updated version, it lacks a little something for me. Um, so what happens is they take these contestants and uh, let's see, Alex Wagner is the new host. She oversees the entire expedition into Australia which is where they they did this um, this season, and they have. I'm trying to see. I'm trying to remember how many contestants there were. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Okay, I don't. Know. I don't remember. There there was like, I think there were like ten contestants total. But they dropped them into kind of the outback of Australia, and they have to compete in these challenges over the course of the time that the competition is going on to amass a pot of money. And at the end of the challenges, I don't want to say every challenge. Sometimes they'll do two different kind of like maybe a mini challenge or a uh, a way for them to bank some extra money. And then a major like expedition challenge. And so a mini and a main. A mini and a main. <laughs> uh, joining the mini and the main club. Uh, please welcome to the stage, mini, mini and, and a main. main. <laughs> <laughs> we had to get a race chaser reference in here. Uh, <laughs> but they, what they do is they will have dinner, they'll discuss, and then they go and take a quiz where they have to answer questions based off of the notes they've taken, the information they maybe have shared with, uh, with other contestants. And essentially try to suss out who the mole is. You don't have to get everything right. You just can't be the one with the least amount of correct answers. Every time they take a quiz, the person that has guessed the uh, the least correct amount of answers is eliminated. And it used to be Anderson Cooper would like one finger at a time into this like boxy laptop, type everything in, and then it would show up on a there was a screen that had the the, the thumbprint, which was the mole like logo for the show, and it would either flash green or red. In a new updated world, they all have uh, what appear to be Samsung telephones because they have the hole punch right in the center of the top, and uh, they she like quickly keys in their name and then their phone lights up and then then the screen either goes full green or full full red if they're eliminated throughout the entire thing you're trying to as the the viewer trying to figure out okay everybody in their confessionals is saying i'm not the mole but i'm suspicious of this person you know and the thing with how how this was when the show first aired it wasn't so it wasn't so meta about gameplay and that is i think what what was a little bit harder for me to watch in this series overall i will say this i thought it was a great series and a great return especially after 14 years it's a property that isn't really talked about isn't something that people would maybe expect to be rebooted but when when the first two seasons were going on either in either the player who was the mole or the editors, or both, were a little more covert. They tried to hide a lot more from the viewer. This time around, everybody was like, 
I'm going to do some suspicious stuff to try to make people think that I'm the mole because then they'll think that I am and they'll answer questions about me on the quiz and then get them eliminated while I'm sussing out who the real person is. And it, it, it's it's a weird mix of trying to metagame a game that like this. And the editors were really heavy-handed with showing us all of this stuff. And it felt less like cunning and more like, in some cases, just really sloppy gameplay. Uh, so I think maybe if they dial it back for another season, if they were to do a season, I guess technically this was six, um, but a season seven or, or a second Netflix season, maybe tone it down a little bit. The contestants, on the other hand, were phenomenal. Um, first off, there was one big blonde hulking man who liked to wear a pearl necklace, and I loved him. Uh, William, he, I, I just, I love him. I want to take him home and call him George. Um, but <laughs> he was phenomenal. Um, they, the cast was great. One of the things, and I don't know if this is something that um other casting companies have kind of taken the lead from cbs for but during 2020 when everything was going on the lockdowns um the blm protests uh, a lot of these things were coming to national prominence and, and were at the forefront a group of survivor contestants a group of black survivor contestants um had a had a meeting with cbs and uh, their casting and basically aired their grievances about how casting is done, how it's not diverse, how it is um, not representative of what the real world looks like. It is uh, very uh, white, cis, hetero cast and a lot of minorities, ethnicities, um, physical abilities are not represented. So CBS has pledged since then that at least 50% of their cast will be people of color. They're going to be um, different ages, different religious backgrounds, different uh, physical capabilities. And I feel like there are a lot of other shows that are a lot of other casting companies that are starting to follow suit, which is phenomenal because there was a great representation of people of color on the, this cast. Um lgbt representation like it just it felt like a real these are starting they're starting to feel more like real life and um the the homosexual i I believe his name was greg um i wanted to slap him on just about every episode that he was on spoiler alert he did not win um but the cast made it fun and it was definitely worth the watch on the negative side netflix is really weird with this we're not going to drop everything at once, but we're going to drop three episodes. And then they do an H- Netflix and HBO Max like to do this wonky thing where they're like, here's a couple of episodes. But then, okay, maybe here's a couple more. All right, fine. Here's one. And it's like, can you please just get to, if you're going <laughs> to drop these not all at the same time, then have a bit more regularity in it. Because it was like three, three three and one i think it was 
or with something like that where like literally the final episode was the last one to drop by itself and i'm like why would you what uh, i i was in suspense but you could have done that over the course of nine weeks or ten weeks and i still would have been i would have been coming back every week i do it for the great british baking show on fridays on netflix you know like it, it's we're getting back to that weekly drop of television in a lot of ways and it's just like it's nice like it's it's nice to have that okay it's wednesday i can watch ink master which just had its finale um you know this week it's thursday okay let me go watch last night's survivor it's friday i'm gonna go watch the great british baking show on on uh, netflix now and having those pieces where not appointment television necessarily but having a day of the week where i'm like okay i'm gonna go watch this it feels nice again like it's not having to worry about when is this you know like let me just burn through it all now i have to wait another year to get more of that content i get it to spread out a little bit more which is nice um did anybody anybody else check out this reboot of the mole on netflix no, I'm the only one who watched. Ah, I figured I, I felt like this was definitely going to be a me topic, but um, but it definitely was one that I think if you like reality game shows, I will not spoil who the mole is. I will not spoil who won. Obviously, the only person is that that one homosexual that I said did not win. Uh, but I I say if you are in that uh, reality game show sphere check it out watch an episode see how you like it and then see if it gets you hooked in and then let me know if you um if you do and and want to talk about it because i thought it was really cool and i really do hope that it comes back for another netflix season um you know and, and if not then maybe another network can pick it up because we saw what happened with ink master it came back after a lot of turmoil <laughs> Uh, and by the way, uh, listeners, you may not know this, but Eric started watching Ink Master. Did you catch up? Have you finished all 13 seasons before this new 14th one came out? No, I didn't watch seasons. Nah, I didn't watch the shop season. Oh, uh, uh, I like the winner of that season. And I didn't watch 13, whatever the one was right before this one. Yes, yeah, 13 was um, yeah. the season that the finale got cut off because uh, of the pandemic and then all of the sexual misconduct allegations against the judges and all yeah, that I stuff. Yeah, I didn't watch that. <laughs> um, but I'm two episodes behind on this season, so... But I've, right, been, well, I've, I've been enjoying it for we'll the most part. <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to discuss <laughs> off uh, off air what you think about uh the season because i just watched the finale today and i was like i was on the edge of my seat like mm. it was a very interesting finale so you'll have to let me know uh after you watch the finale uh but yeah that's the the mole on netflix i highly suggest you check it out Dear listeners, thank you so much for enjoying listening to our podcast. I'm just going to say now that you are enjoying it because you're still here uh, an hour and change into this episode. So we thank you for listening. We thank you for being a part of our journey. And uh, yeah, if you want to check out our website, it's flameonshow.com. That's where you can find all of our social media links. You can find our Threadless link. And you can also find a link to our Patreon, where you can just go to patreon.com forward slash flameonshow and join any one of the four levels that fit you 
and the perks that you like the best. So that's flameonshow.com and patreon.com forward slash flame on show. All right, let's do a quick round of one-ups. Let's go back around the other way. Brian, what is your one-up? So I, I had a different thing planned, but whatever. Uh, I, I've had a lot of weird adventures lately, so I wanted to just touch on a couple of things. I'll start by most recently. There is an uh, event here in Seattle called Kaleidoscope that um, I had never been to until last uh, until Halloween night, and it is the most delightful queer found footage slash like old Scooby-Doo and horror films, but re-edited to be ridiculous, even more ridiculous. And it, if you ever have seen Dina Martina, I guess the Kaleidoscope guys actually work with her and collaborate a lot because Dina Martina was part of the part of the, the video montage they did. So anyway, amazing show, Kaleidoscope. I think it's like every month here in Seattle. So if you're in the town, you know, randomly or you're, you live here, please check it out. Uh, I'm actually going to try to get them on the uh, interview series at some point when, when I bring that back properly uh, uh, in the future. Um, the other adventure I want to talk about, I was in San Francisco for a curling tournament about a month ago, and I got to sit down with my media meltdown drag family. I got to meet uh, Piranha and um, Franzia Kafka there in person, had brunch, and they unfortunately are not doing as much online but if you're in the San Francisco area, they are doing, I think it's monthly shows at the Balboa theater where they bring in like different people from like cult movie classics and then have the movie or whatever they're watching. And then they do a drag show as well. So it's very much what they did uh, streaming wise, but in person, uh, haven't got to go to one of their shows yet there, but uh, their most recent one is a twin peaks uh, themed show. And I think they have uh uh, Cheryl Finn and the guy that played the boyfriend. Uh, anyway, so if you're in San Francisco and you love queer and weird culty cinema uh, and drag, the Balboa Theater is your place and, and check out what Media Meltdown is doing. And while I was there, I also got to hang out uh, at this place called the Silver Sprocket, which I have to give a, a, a shout out because um, – it is exactly the kind of indie comic shop that I want to have every, in every city. I'm kind of shocked that we don't have anything quite exactly like this here in Seattle, but um, we have things that are close, but not quite the same. So Silver Sprocket, um, they do zines and little indie comics, and they're very queer. I mean, probably like 75% of their stuff is is fantastic uh, queer and indie uh, for comics. So um, if you, if you want to find them, they are online. You can go look up silversprocket.net and or hoopla digital uh, is there, I think places that you can go online to look at the uh, different comics to do. Uh, there was supposed to be a show with Ed Luce from lovable O fame. And that was why I was going in the first place. And unfortunately Ed had to cancel. So I missed out meeting Ed in person, uh, but Ed Luce and then, um, uh, a few other folks have uh, definitely had a, had a, had a, a you know, great experience with Silver Sprocket. So again, if this is like in the mission, mission area of San Francisco, highly, highly, highly recommend if you're just, you know, they there for a day, just make sure it's on your list of places to stop through um, and check out all their amazing queer comics content. And uh, yeah, I don't know. That's all I think I have for my one up. Sweet. Eric, what about you? So, um, as we said earlier, spooky season is over and Mariah Carey has been fully thought out for her yearly return. <laughs> um, I and... hate you. <laughs> it's time. <laughs> and 
Um, also, all Christmas movie trailers have started dropping. And there's two in particular that I'm looking forward to um, coming out soon. One is going to be on Apple TV, and it's an updated retelling of A Christmas Carol called Spirited, uh, which is a musical starring Ryan Reynolds as the Scrooge character. Um, and it's a kind of a meta where everyone knows of A Christmas Carol in this. But it's just a yearly tradition where the ghosts come and still convert someone every year. And Ryan Reynolds is the one this year. And Will Ferrell plays the ghost of Christmas present. And it just looks like a fun time. Um, The other one is called Violent Night. And it's basically Die Hard. But instead of Bruce Willis, it's David Harbour as Santa, who is um, delivering presents to a house that's under siege by John Leguizamo um, and a <laughs> cast of naughty characters. And so Santa has to go and kill a bunch of people. And <laughs> it looks very much fun. Um, uh, and while it's not a Christmas movie coming out tomorrow on Roku channel is weird. The weird Al Yankovic uh, quote unquote biopic. Um, that still hasn't which, come out yet. No. Well, it's been it. Very limited, like single night releases in theaters around certain parts of the country. Um, it, it feels like I've been seeing the trailer and everything for forever. It was the same thing with Bros. They were doing like advertising in during the summer, and they were like release September thirtieth, and I'm like, it's June. Why are we doing red carpet? <laughs> Mariah. Billy Eichner had Mariah Carey on the red carpet doing a premiere of Bros in the summer. Yeah. I think in June. And I'm like, oh, this should be coming out soon then. And I go and I look it up and it's like end of September, beginning of October. I'm like, why? So the same thing with this movie. I've been seeing all of the stuff. I've seen all the articles. I've seen all of like, Now? Well, all right. <laughs> tomorrow so dear listeners when you hear this it'll be tonight so <laughs> be, go check it out on the roku channel and uh go check out the 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 other movies that are uh, are coming um just like many men to david harbour as santa because uh, that checks a lot of fetish boxes for a lot of people out there yes anywho uh, <laughs> bj what have you got all right, real quick. Um, these are all my top picks from Spooky Season. Uh, I will just give a name and a grade, but these are all things. If you have not seen them, absolutely go and see them. Uh, a first up is Wendell and Wild, Henry Selick's new stop motion uh, dark comedy on Netflix. It dropped the 28th of October, uh, and it was produced by Jordan Peele. Um, it's got a very nice punk aesthetic and a, uh, a qu- couple of queer characters. It's absolutely wonderful. Uh, next up, we've got Hocus Pocus 2. Controversial opinion, I liked it better than Hocus Pocus 1. And I really hope they do another sequel. Uh, there's some side eye for those of you not looking at the video. Um, and then... Sorry, um, sorry uh, honorary host of Flame On, Ginger Minge. 
true. I say starring I've... in a very loose, <laughs> loose hey. meaning, but hey, she got a line. She got a line. A couple <laughs> scenes. She made. She made her money. I mean, there's lots of people who've worked for. The... No, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're uh... not going to be talking about lines right now, anyway. And then the first of the Marvel special edition, uh, uh, special edition things they're doing specials, um, special edition special part due, um, Electric Boogaloo, um, Werewolf by Night uh, is absolutely phenomenal, wonderful uh, bit of Marvel lore. You've got Man Thing, you've got um, you've got the Bloodstone family who are always wonderful. In the comics, um, absolutely. Love Elsa them. Bloodstone brought to life, not quite as well done as um, Warren Ellis did her in Next Wave, but still pretty amazing. Definitely, pretty a phenomenal good. special. Yeah. Elsa was she singing "Let It Go"? <laughs> <laughs> and then um, finally, we have. Oh, hold on, real quick before you move off of uh, Werewolf by Night, new rock stars. Go check out their video where. They they theorize that a lot of what's going on right now is very Wizard of Oz. There's a Wizard of Oz connection through this whole thing, which also includes Werewolf by Night. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The black um, and white into color at the end. I still haven't seen it, but um, I saw that, that piece of it. And she's wearing uh, ruby red shoes when she gets colorized. Yep. So there's a whole thing, the, uh, the TBA, the the man behind the curtain being he who remains, all of that. Like, I hadn't even thought about it. Like, I know that a lot of the theme of phase four is uh, grief, death, and religion. But uh, there's a, a big thread of uh, Wizard of Oz through, through the phase four projects. Yep. And then finally, uh, the second season of Dead End Paranormal Park um dropped in october as well so uh for those of you that have not caught that wonderful show um it's delightfully queer it is delightfully weird and it is kind of like a dark comedy so definitely check that out with one of the characters voiced by miss coco peru i believe yes the uh the uh, the the evil i like to call her the evil version of uh, dolly parton mm, i can see that Pauline Phoenix. I mean, I'm not the show. I'm just thinking about in in general in life, (laughs) knowing Coco. Yeah. I don't know if that would bother her. Uh, (laughs) Awesome. So, uh, quick couple things for me. Um, I don't know if we we touched on it, but Darren Hayes uh, dropped his new album, Homosexual, uh, and announced a tour. Um, I will be seeing him in New York for my first time ever seeing Darren Hayes live uh, next year at some point. So have time to figure out um, how I'm going to afford to travel and uh, go see a concert in New York. Um, Fletcher was the end. It was in September. We talked about her, but I went and saw her last night uh, at the Riviera Theater. So I got to uh, be surrounded by a sea of the entire lesbian spectrum. Um, it was it was all the ladies, and then like me and like four other guys, um, like one straight guy with his girlfriend who held on. He held onto her tight. Um, he was scared that she would get swept away in the the euphoric uh, lesbian sea that was the concert and uh, and a couple of other homosexuals. So it was a great time. Uh, she puts on a great show and uh, it was a super cute setup and, and everything. So uh, if you have a chance to see Fletcher or listen to her music, I highly recommend it. Uh, Carly Rae Jepsen, Loneliest Time dropped. Um, 
I'm going to see her on Saturday or when this comes out, it'll be tomorrow on uh, on her tour. And uh, apparently this is not a very loneliest time heavy tour. Apparently there is a lot of other Carly Rae Jepsen on this tour and only a little bit of the loneliest time. So that is uh, interesting, but I, I've done a listen through. Um, it's a it, it's a good album. It, it didn't grab me the same way that Dedicated grabbed me uh, when that first came out. But then again, I also need some time and like to read the lyrics because there are certain pieces I'll catch and I'm very lyric driven. Um, so there are some songs on there that I know I want to go back to and really kind of spend some time with. I haven't had a lot of time with it because this other small little album came out the same day and then released seven additional tracks three hours later. <laughs> um, if you haven't heard about it, Taylor Swift dropped her 10th album uh, on October 21st, same day as Carly Rae Jepsen's The Loneliest Time came out. It was a very, very busy day in my, in my heart for music. Um, it, the the concept behind the album was 13 uh sleepless nights and uh it it crosses it is very pop but it also crosses kind of the vibe into a, a few different uh feels i don't want to say genres because it wasn't really genre crossing but it, it felt like it was bringing in some other things um very reminiscent of past Taylor's uh, because these are 13 nights spread across her life that, that kept her up at night or, or were big things for her. It, it does pull from um, some other sounds and vibes and feelings from some other tracks. Uh, and then before this album came out, she had been doing this stuff called Midnight's Mayhem with me uh, on her TikTok and announcing the, the song titles we didn't get a lead single, but we knew that Antihero, the video for Antihero was dropping at 8 a.m. on that Friday. But she panned across this whiteboard that had like the, the whole schedule for the week of like the, the album release. And on that Friday, it's an album release at midnight and then uh, a chaotic surprise at 3 a.m. Most people thought she was going to be announcing a tour. She and en- she ended up dropping seven bonus tracks to the album that she felt were great songs, but didn't fit the overall narrative of the album. And we got the Midnight's 3 a.m. version. Um, all 10 spots of the Billboard top 10 on the Hot 100 for last week, all taken up by Taylor Swift. First time anyone artist has held all 10 spots. First time that there was not a male artist in the top 10. Um, and her album ended up breaking like 700 records in a week. And I, I don't even want to... I think that's actually accurate and it might be a low-ball account. There was apparently all of these records that she's broken. Spotify streaming record, single day for a week. It's like a billion streams in a week. It's insane. And then she went on Good Morning America a couple days ago and announced the Eras Tour, her first tour in four years um, with four or five years with four fully brand new albums, two re-releases with bonus tracks from the vault that are brand new songs with the possibility of more re-releases coming either before or during the tour because uh in the bejeweled video which came out like two days after the album drop it is packed with easter eggs that point to speak now being released um at the beginning of december 
she has been busy. She would caption a photo of herself right now saying, not a lot going on at the moment with all of this stuff being dropped right around her. So um, I am I am a verified fan on Ticketmaster now uh, because there are two, two tour dates in Chicago. And I don't know if I need to sell my body on the corner <laughs> start an only fans beyond feet finder i don't know i will do i will i will be i will figure out a way to buy some tickets to see this concert so just putting it out there and if y'all out there in the listenership i i'm i'm here i will gladly be a sugar baby for taylor swift tickets um lots of music going on so yeah lots of great stuff there is so much that we haven't talked about uh we'll definitely get to she hulk uh rings of power there are so many things but those will be in individual microsodes thank you all so much for listening check out our website check out our patreon and uh yeah we will be back in two more weeks with more content for your listening pleasure but until then bye bitch bye ciao Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 